You're listening to the Chancellor Pink Podcast on Chancellor Pink Radio. I wanted to do a podcast on my thoughts on the Steelers' first game of the season. Now, I went on record uh, in, in past podcasts saying that the media was being too negative and uh, also predicted the Steelers, I think I said they would win the division, and I think I had Cincinnati second and Cleveland last. I think I went, now I, I might switch Cleveland with Baltimore at this point, but uh, I think Cincinnati's going to be a handful. But I also think the Steelers uh, looked better than I expected on Sunday. I actually thought they would lose, despite my positive spin on the team. But I wanted to point out a couple differences I have from the media because the whole reason I make these podcasts, I'm just a guy, right? Chancellor Pink, guy, podcast man. When I step into the sports arena, who gives a shit what I have to say? But I do think I have unique insight, and you can agree or disagree. Plus, I maybe have a voice you can listen to. And those things combined with my insight make it may be worthwhile to listen to one guy's opinion, even though he's not analyzing film. Although I did watch the game three times already, and I did rewind numerous plays, like four and five times, to watch the offensive line and other alignments. Um, I understand some about football, but I never played the game. So let's get that on the record. I'm a musician, excuse me, slash intellect slash attorney, slash artist. I'm not a jock, and I'm not an athlete, and I never was. Um, But I have been uh, a sports fan since I was a little boy and watch very intently and analyze. And and, um, I wouldn't ever use the term nerdy or geeky. I I don't like those terms, and the people that use them are patting themselves on the back. It disturbs me, but I would say that I'm uh, intelligent in my analysis of sports. And... um, I'm opinionated, I'm passionate, but I think I mix it. I'm a good mix. I would say about me that I'm a good mix of the heart and the passion and the sense of what's happening and uh, intelligence. And here's another thing I will say. I'm very well read and very well listened in the new podcast world to people that know more than me. And I can hate them and I can think they're bad people and I can disagree with them, but I also hear their opinions and thoughts and understand their analysis and look at the the team live and the sports that they're analyzing. And I, I learned from that. So even if there's a particular media person in Pittsburgh, I want to punch in the mouth or whatever, I still can learn from that person, you know? So that's what I do. So I bring you my opinions based upon a mix of understanding the analysis of those who know more than me, uh, both about the sport and just in general and covering it, but also my own experience in watching it and analyzing it intelligently for um, about 45 years now, 46 years now, since I first remember. Well, actually, it was probably around seven, so I would say 48 years now since I diligently was following at least the Steelers, okay, um, and the Pirates, because I did collect baseball cards and was into them even at, at a, the age of six. So um, Sunday's game, I want to say a couple things where I um, disagree with the general spin of the national, but in particular the local media, okay? One is Ben Roethlisberger. Um, most people had his back and protected him and didn't, uh, or said at least that he made the plays when he had to at the end. Now, he did. I, I, you know, in watching the film again, I was a little bit overly negative, and I see that he did make some plays in the second half. Uh, no, most notably in the first drive of the second half, where they only got a field goal, um, and then the last drive where he got him down to the end for a field goal again. Um, additionally, he did throw a nice touchdown pass to Deontay Johnson. That was a nice little touch, but I don't like those fades. I'm not a fan of the fade. To me, it's a lot of luck, and so I can't really praise him too much for that. And it was a, an amazing catch by Deontay Johnson. But it was placed in a good spot, a catchable spot. Had the defender turned around, though, instead of just sticking his arm up, he could have uh, potentially uh, at least batted it down or even picked it off. So uh, it's one of those risky things. It's hard to praise the quarterback when they just do a little touch throw up in the corner. Um, 
But he did make some great throws on the last field goal drive. In particular, the third down pass that he completed to Chase Claypool was an amazingly accurate throw, and it set us up for the field goal. Uh, Well, it set us up with a first down that we then proceeded to gain one yard on three plays and kick the field goal. But um, And on the first drive of the the second half, he made uh, a couple great throws. He made a scramble throw to Ebron. Uh, where he got out of uh, traffic's way and hit Ebron. Ebron got hit hard, and Ben got hit very hard on that play. Um, and then the very next play, he got up and tossed the the uh, the grab that Claypool made again. Uh, amazing catch. Um, and I will give Ben credit on that one because that was not just an end zone, uh, you know, ten yarder fade pattern. That was a, literally a, a fifteen yarder sideline throw that was put in a great spot that, you know, granted it took a great catch, but it was still a very good throw. And so he made two throws in a row on the, on the first half, uh, second half rather, first drive, and then uh, at least one great throw on the uh, final the final drive. Actually, he made two because there was this on the, on the final drive that got a field goal. Ben threw a great back shoulder uh, uh, line drive throw to uh, Juju. Uh, Smith-Schuster. It was a big gainer, too. So he made two amazing, really good throws on that last drive. So I will give him that. But guess what? It took all of that to get his quarterback rating up to, what was it, 83-9, something like that. Terrible. A terrible rating. And he earned that terrible rating. I mean, he missed. We, we, we choked in the red zone in the first half. And primarily it was because they put the game in his hands. Uh, we got inside the 10 and we ran it ran it once and uh, the the last time and and then ran, and then threw twice more and then kicked the field goal to make it 10-6. And the first score uh that we made it 10 to 3 on same thing we relied too much on Ben. And he missed some terrible terribly missed some passes uh, the, the dump downs to uh, to Najee Harris. It was wide open, at least on three occasions. He was wide open, including a touchdown pass that would have scored a touchdown um, on the first scoring drive. I believe it was the first scoring drive. Might have been the second, and um, just terrible throw. And he had a leap for it and couldn't get it, and just missed him. And I don't understand that because Ben is really good at the short dump down. He has never had a problem with that throw, but he had a problem with a lot of throws in that game. And I think the logic behind it. Could be nerves because he had been, you know, uh, so bad in his last game and at least in the first quarter of his last game and really pretty damn bad down uh, five of his last six games last year that he was just scared of himself. And also, of course, nervous about the offensive line with two rookies starting on it and in general just not really having a lot of uh, uh, experience. And being in a very hostile environment against a very good team. So I think that Ben, by and large, um, didn't look like a super-duper pro experience calm. In fact, he made a couple plays during the game that pissed me off. Once uh, there was a a false start on the offensive line when we were backed up in our own end zone where we ended up punting from the end zone. And our punter, a new rookie punter, got off a terrible punt of, I think, 30 yards to the 35 yard line from our five. Um, that's where we got the strip sack from uh, Watt to uh, get us out of that uh, dilemma though. So that was nice, but the defenses came up big all game long, but prior to us having that terrible punt, like Clarence Williams, the third, that's an actor from mod squad and everything. Clarence Williams, the third, he died actually this year, but a very good actor. I really like Clarence Williams III. It might have been late last year, early this year he died. But anyway, our punter's name always escapes escapes me. I, I don't really know what it is yet. I keep trying to learn it. Har, Har, Harvins, Harkins, Harvins, I don't know. Any Harvin, I think it's Harvin. Percy Harvin, Percy, I don't know. But I call him Clarence Williams III just because he has a junior or the third on his name, I think. Anyway, Cl- Clarence Williams III from Mod Squad, before he got off that terrible punt, it was Ben uh, sucking as well down inside our five and inside the 10. And in particular, there was a false start inside the 10. And when the ball was snapped after the false start, Ben slapped the ball angrily to the turf. And there were a couple other occasions where he threw up his arms and made a scene in the first half uh, and in the second half. And I thought that 
his reactions were unprofessional and not a leader. And I think Ben, uh, you know, is just as susceptible. I saw him another occasion where Najee, he dumped up, missed, missed a, a throw to Najee again. And Najee wasn't looking around, but when he turned, the ball was away from his body. And Ben immediately went up to him and said, I was he pointing down the field saying, I was expecting you to cut down the center of the field. Well, why? Najee was cutting across the center of the field. He was turning to grab a ball as a dump off over the middle. Why is Ben saying, I thought you would just keep running down the center and I was throwing it to you to catch it in stride and just keep running forward? Well, look, I've watched Ben for his entire career, 18 years, whatever the fuck it's been now, since 2004. And so what is that, 16, 17 years now. And he doesn't throw to the running back out of the back in some sort of go pattern down the center of the field, okay? He only did that with A.B., and uh, who else? Maybe Mike Wallace. Yeah, Mike Wallace. That was about it. The guy doesn't hit a running back out of the backfield other than a dump off where the running back's turning to catch the ball. So him going up to him and saying, I was and pointing downfield saying, I was, it was a lie. Okay. So Ben, look, I love Ben. I'm the one guy who defended him against the rape allegations. I think he's a first ballot Hall of Famer, not even without question i know the national media is totally anti him and has bashed him and even locally he's taken way too much heat from people i know people that just turned off to them because they he supports they support women over truth and facts allegations over reality and the law and look i'm not saying ben was a saint but i mean rape come on and even sexual assault come on i saw the facts detailed in great detail about that George incident. It was a joke. Same with the woman in the hotel in Vegas. These are jokes. There was never evidence of anything criminal, let alone even distasteful. To be honest, these are women whose feelings were hurt, okay? And they got mad at him after the fact because he used them for sex and they were hoping for something more because who doesn't when you screw a famous person or rich person, right? You always hope it's something more, but these women, in effect, were used as cum receptacles by Ben and it pissed them off. Well, too bad. Uh, just cross your legs more. I don't know. I I get sick and tired of that kind of crap by women. We say it. It's true. No. Evidence shows if it's rape. There was no penetration. There was no cum or whatever. You know, the, the no physical, you know, it's your word against his. And oh, by the way, you went into the bar in Georgia with a badge saying, fuck me on your, sh- on your shirt. And, and, you know, you'd only went down to the police station next morning because your jealous girlfriends didn't like the fact that you were fucking Ben in the restroom voluntarily. And oh, by the way, you were drunk. So you thought, oh, you know, I wouldn't have fucked him in the restroom if I was sober. Well, then don't drink. Okay. And then <laughs> say with the Vegas girl, come fix my TV. You let him seduce you and fuck you. And then all of a sudden it's rape. No, it wasn't. Guess what? She never said a word about it for months. And it never came to even a criminal investigation because she waited so long because it wasn't. Oh, she was afraid. Oh, she was confused. Oh, he had all the power. No, no, no. And look, I'm not rich and I'm not an athlete, but no. Anyway, I defended Ben and defended Ben. But guess what? I only care about the way he is on the football field primarily. And I don't want my star quarterback taken away on lies and allegations by lying women. Uh, which pretty much defines at least half the women out there. So I want a quarterback who's proven to be good to be in there uh, unless there's some legitimate reason to take him out of there. And I'm the first to acknowledge it for any man, whether it's something he did against a woman or something he did just against the law in general. But when there's absolutely no evidence of anything against a woman or certainly nothing criminal, then his ass should be in there playing. And anyone who has a negative word to say about it can shove it up their ass. But Ben on Sunday took it up the ass in a lot of ways from my perspective. And I'm hoping he gets a lot better. And I think he will. I think it was a lot for Ben under all the pressure he's been under and the scrutiny and accusations and frankly, lousy play at the end of the year from him. I think he was stressed out in that game. And he had a tough game, but guess who else was stressed out? Josh Allen. And he outperformed Josh Allen. He really did. Barely. But that's not the story of the game. The story of the game is not that Ben outperformed Josh Allen. The story of the game is the Steelers' defense is fucking great, and they did a really good job. And that the crowd and all that energy was tough on both quarterbacks. And both quarterbacks had less than stellar days. Now, I will say... 
Ben made some big plays at the end when it mattered and brought his team to victory. So for that reason, he did outperform Josh Allen a little bit, a little bit. And he did have a better passer rating in the end than Josh Allen, a little bit. But he also showed some anger and some poor leadership in his body language and overall behavior. And he missed some very easy throws throughout the game. And I'm not sure about his ability going forward to do any of that shit because he's 39 or he's going to be. And um, yeah, I, 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 the jury is still out. I, I'm, I'm consistent, okay? And after that Cleveland game last year, I was done with Tomlin and I was done with Ben because I've seen them lose when the money was on the line too often now. It's been 10 years since they made it to a Super Bowl. And oh, by the way, they didn't win it. And oh, by the way, Ben threw a pick six in the Super Bowl. And then from that point on, they outplayed the Green Bay Packers. They outplayed the great Aaron Rodgers, but they lost. And everybody sucked Rodgers' dick and said Ben sucked. And it was unfair. But the reality is Ben threw a pick six in that Super Bowl. He threw it. Now, it was a heave from the end zone that was caught at midfield. And the guy scrambled all the way into the end zone. But... The point is, it was a pick six. Ben threw it. He threw it up for grabs. It was caught. It cost the Steelers a touchdown. You know, Rodgers didn't do that in that game. And that's pretty shitty to throw a pick six in a fucking Super Bowl. So Ben threw a pick six in an AFC championship game against Tom Brady and the Patriots. Yes, it ended up being a blowout. But guess what? The pick six was at the end of the first half. It ruined the game. Ben threw a pick six last year against the Buffalo Bills at the end of the first half. It took that game over the edge. We were leading in that game against Buffalo on the road. And he threw a pick six, and we were trailing at halftime, and we never they, Buffalo never looked back. So, look, I've watched this man. I've loved his quarterback play. He's been the best quarterback in my lifetime, and I saw Terry Bradshaw win four Super Bowls. And I rooted on Terry in all four Super Bowls. But... Ben's the better quarterback overall, and I'm telling you, Ben has struggled his ass off when the money's on the line in recent years. And he hasn't even had a chance to win in the really biggest game of them all in 10 years, and he lost it. So I was done. I was done, ready for him to go, ready for Tomlin to go. They brought him back. They made all these moves, and guess what? I was wrong. I'm the first to admit it. Tomlin is a very good coach, and I knew it. I just thought, enough, he needs to move on. Change of environment can do him good, and I thought it would do the Steelers good. It it does work, by the way. I I said this before on other podcasts, but the idea that it doesn't help anything to get rid of coaches, just all you got to say is Andy Reid. Andy Reid was a great coach for years with the, the Eagles, but he couldn't win the big one. They got rid of him. The Eagles won a Super Bowl without him, and he won a Super Bowl without the Eagles. Look, that's the end of the discussion. Shut the fuck up if you think it's not right to fire a coach, that it couldn't help. It can help. It helps a lot. I was here in the Pittsburgh area when the Pirates had shitty manager after shitty manager, and I was saying, fire, 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 and they finally fired, and they hired Jim Leland. He made all the difference in the world. Don't pretend it's just the players. It's the head coach. It's the head manager. They can make a world of difference if you hire the right guy. Tomlin made a world of difference when they hired him. Cower made a world of difference when they hired Bill Cower. And I felt it was time for Tomlin to move on. Now, having said that, he is a defensive gem, Tomlin, as a head coach. And this defense is great. And I'm glad we brought him back because he and Butler together have fashioned an exciting, fun defense. And he's very good at it, Tomlin. Now, the offense, I'm liking what I'm seeing from Matt Canada. I'm liking his offense. I think, in fact, I would stand way behind the offense more than Ben. And I would say, Ben, if you can't make this offensive work, take a seat on the bench and we'll bring in Mason Rudolph or someone else who's willing to dedicate their play to this offense. Don't throw fits. Don't you know, sell the running game short. Don't think you can write it up in the dirt. Don't put the team on your back. Any of that bullshit. We went through that crap with you, with you and Feekner, and we're done. We're done. You had your boy in there, Feekner. It was all about Ben's the whole team. He's the whole offense. No, it doesn't work. It never did with Ben. He's a really good quarterback. He's a Hall of Famer, but he must play within a system. He 
has to. And he's always fought with his offensive coordinators. He did. He fought with Arians, even though they said, oh, B.A., I love B.A., they were great buddies. They still had disagreements, and he totally fought with the guy that went to Arizona, whose name escapes me right now, uh, Wiesenhunt. Wiesenhunt. I mean, they, they fought all the time. And he went off to Arizona, you know, as, as head coach or offensive coordinator, I forget which, but Ben always, oh, and Haley and him bashed heads. Haley and Ben bashed heads like crazy, but guess what? Haley saved Ben's career. He saved his career. He was getting knocked out all the time under B.A. Arians' offense were getting Ben's knees whacked around. He still has knee problems to this day because he played quarterback for Bruce Arians. Ben does. I mean, Haley stopped him from being sacked, and he went to more of a dink and dunk offense. Now, Haley stunk in the red zone. He did. But guess what? Ben got better in the red zone. Under B.A., Ben was total shit in the red zone. And under Haley, Ben was better. But still, they had problems. Red zone has been Ben's problem, which makes all his, his whole career. And, and it, that's why it makes me upset. Ben is great from the 15 to the 25 to the 30. If you want a touchdown pass from Ben, it's got to be some, say, from the 15-yard line to the 25, somewhere in that range. Or to the 30. That's that's Ben's range. He can throw those touchdown passes wonderfully. But you get him inside the 10, and you have him scrambling around thinking he's Mr. Tom Brady, and he just isn't. He's just not Tom Brady. He'll never be as good as Tom Brady. He never was. Um, nobody is. I mean, think about that. Nobody is. Peyton Manning wasn't as good as Tom Brady. Drew Brees wasn't as good as Tom Brady. And Roethlisberger wasn't as good as either of them. But he was close to those guys. Aaron Rodgers wasn't as, isn't as good as Tom Brady. Ben's right below all those guys. Ben is right after. Brady, uh, Manning, not Eli. Ben's above Eli by far. Uh, Peyton, Peyton Manning, uh, Drew Brees, and Aaron Rodgers. Those are the only four quarterbacks uh, in the last 20 years that are 15 that have been anywhere, that have been above Ben. And that's a fact. Ben is the next quarterback in line after those four. No one will believe it. No one will, ex- will accept it. They're all idiots. The stats prove it out, but just your eyes, if you've watched them. The problem is nationally, they only watch them in the playoffs, and they say, oh, he's no good. He's no good. Well, he's won more than those guys. Drew Brees has one Super Bowl. Ben has two. Peyton Manning had two, but he had to go to another team to win the second. You know, the only guy that's won more Super Bowls than Ben is Tom Brady. And he's won more than every anybody ever. And he, he will hold that record till the day he dies. I'm sorry, till the day the world dies. Nobody's going to win as many Super Bowls as Tom Brady ever, ever. Mahomes isn't going to do it either. Mahomes just has one. He got there. He lost. Look, he's a very good quarterback. But I believe strongly he will burn out and become less than superior before he wins a bunch of Super Bowls. I mean, Russell Wilson still has great half years, but he hasn't had a great full season. You know, and he's not going to win the Super Bowls like Ben won. I mean, he may win another one, but, you know, Russell Wilson's very good, but I'm putting him below Ben. I'm putting him below Ben because Ben has done it for longer and more consistently. Having said all of that, Ben sucked. Ben sucked on Sunday. Ben sucked and the Steelers won. So, and, and, you know, do I think he's going to get better? I'm not sure. I'm not sure. Uh, what I saw on Sunday was a good, tough quarterback, still better than Mason Rudolph, still the preferred choice. But I saw a guy who's not what I was hoping I'd see. I thought after another year working on the arm and after all the shit he went through last year at the end of the year, he was so good most of the year. He was MVP good most of that year, Ben Roethlisberger. I thought he'd come back this year and look similar. But the one thing I'll say is Josh Allen was worse than him in the same environment with a better defense against him. But I think that maybe that environment, opening Sunday, it was just rough. It was rough on the passing game. Also, it was very windy there. That's something that I did not know until after the game. So my criticisms of Ben during the game were a little bit misinformed. I was not aware that the winds were something like 30 miles per hour. I mean, it was very windy inside that stadium. So that probably had more than the average Joe is willing to admit or acknowledge to do with the poor play of both Josh Allen and Big Ben. So we'll see how Ben does against a less than superb Raiders defense on Sunday. Um, If he comes out at home 
and looks just appreciably better than I will say good, good, good. I hope that he does. But that is the one area where I differ from the mass media and certainly the local media that we're all, all had his back. I felt that that game, the Steelers outplayed uh, Buffalo and could have done so much more had the quarterback just been better, had, had Ben been better. Uh, that would have been, an, frankly, an easier win. We would have won by double digits and um, not going away by any stretch. It was a good game. It was a tough, hard-fought game. But Ben played poorly, and that really held the Steelers back. Now, offensive line, I think, played pretty well, considering how young and inexperienced they are. I wasn't that disappointed by them at all. Uh, they didn't make the degree of mistakes and give up sacks and just be just confused like I expected. They weren't that confused at all. They seemed to know what they were doing pretty well. I have a feeling that Adrian Clem, the offensive line coach, is quite good. And I think we can probably expect the Steelers' offense to mature and get better. And along those lines, I want to say that the Steelers' offense has fantastic weapons. Because we saw on Sunday that Deontay Johnson and Chase Claypool and Juju Smith-Schuster, each one of them, is a very good wide receiver in their own right. I mean, Deontay Johnson's catch in the end zone showed when he's dragging at the feet, the guy can catch him, run, he's quick, he can make moves, and when he holds on to the ball, as he did with that great catch, and drags his toes, he's, a, he's an exquisite wide receiver. He's a little too thin for my liking, and he goes down too easily when tackled. And I think, you know, I wish he was more physical. But aside from that, the guy's very talented, and he's the most talented of the group when it comes to simply getting open, making moves with the ball when, when after the catch, and I think he has a style factor with his feet and hands that, that is superior to the others. Chase Claypool is a big play man. He had the reverse great run, and he had the great catch over top of the Pro Bowl playing uh, secondary guy, cornerback for the Bills, whose name escapes me right now. But it was a superb catch. He has that ability. He's a big target. Um, he's a guy that needs to explode this year, and I think he will. And Juju Smith-Schuster, can we just say it? The guy's a physical dynamo. He's tough like, like Heinz Ward, but he's bigger than Heinz Ward. So he's tougher than Heinz. He blocks as tough as Heinz, and when he gets the ball, he drives forward. He is your third down receiver because he will get you the tough yards. If you need four or five or six on third down, you should be looking for Juju. Because even if he catches it at the marker or a couple yards short, that guy's going to get you the first down. He's just a tough motherfucker. Now, he has fumbled some balls in big games for us in the past. Um, and he's not perfect. But, boy, he's a completely different beast from Deontay Johnson and Chase Claypool. These are three receivers that really are distinct and distinctly good. And then you bring in James Washington, and he's always good. He had the one catch, made a nice run with it. But they just don't need him. They don't need him, but it's a damn shame because I actually think Washington could be every bit as good as the other three. I think he could be the deep threat that – that. Uh, Claypool is. I think he could make the tough combat catches that the Juju and Claypool make. Uh, I, I'm not sure he's as quick and can get open as much as Deontay Johnson, but he has better hands overall. I mean, he's a tough guy. I think he could easily be our number two or three receiver. We just don't need him with these other guys. But And then you talk about uh, Pat Fryer move. I mean, he only had one catch in the game, and Ebron only had one catch. But they are both big targets and big threats, and they can move with the ball after the catch, especially Fryermuth. He's proven that. And Fryermuth's hands are clearly like glue. Uh, Ebron has some drop problems, but not as bad as everybody seems to claim. I think they both have their blocking problems. I saw Ebron miss a block uh, on a stuffed run in an important time of the game. 
And I just think, did I say Ebron? I'm sorry, I meant Fryermuth. I saw Fryermuth miss a block in an important moment of the game that led to a run, runner getting stuffed after only about a one-yard game. And, um, yeah, he's got work to do on blocking. We know Ebron does, so that's that's a bit of an issue. But, I mean, as, as targets, they're weapons. And then you've got Najee out of the backfield. And Najee Harris, I mean, look, did you see the space around him? I mean, all Ben had to do on a, on all those throws that he missed him is get it to him. And that guy would have run for 8, 10 yards each time. I mean, the guy's so good in the open field. And you could see when he turned on the Jets on the one run where he ran inside the 10-yard line that he's got an explosion to him. And he, when he gets running and he lifts those knees up, he gets that high-legging, the guy's big. He's a hell of a target to bring down. He's a strong, quick runner, and... We just need to get that ball to him out in the flat more or over the middle. Just get him the ball, Ben, because he's going to be a hell of a weapon. I can tell he's going to be. A, once we start doing that, like like Ray Rice with the Ravens back in the day, once we start dumping it down to Najee, it's going to be a secret weapon extraordinary. Like Le'Veon Bell. Le'Veon Bell became an amazing weapon for Ben. Ben loved relying on that as a check down. And I think Najee's going to be every bit as good as Bell, every bit as good as Ray Rice for the Ravens. But we have some weapons. Um, the only thing I will say, another negative, that where I differ from the media a little bit, there's a lot of praise uh, for the defense. And I think deservedly so. I do think from watching the tape a number of times, however, that Josh Allen was off target a lot. And had he been on target more, the defense wouldn't have looked as great. Also, two specific players for the Steelers that I need to differ from the defense. The, the, I mean, from the media, from the media. The local media in particular did not praise Cam Hayward enough after the game. They were too busy praising the other Cam, Cam Sutton. And I want to disagree with them on both Cams. They couldn't say enough about Cam Sutton. They said he was fantastic. They said you're not going to miss Steven Nelson at quarterback. Steven who? After you see Cam Sutton. Well, guess what? Cam made some uh, like two or three really good plays with tackles, including that fourth and one play. But it was a ridiculous call to throw the ball into the backfield to a running back way off the line of scrimmage. And, yeah, Cam was out there, and he made a good tackle. Okay. Um, and he made a couple other good tackles in the game. And he, he, he stripped the ball down on a, on a pass deep uh, down to about the Steelers' 10 at one point in the game. But guess what else he did? He got burned at least three times, not only on the touchdown where everyone said, oh, you can't get better coverage than that. Well, maybe, but you can also get a little taller than Cam Sutton's reported 5'11 height, okay? Now, that's the same height as, as Hayden. Both are supposedly 5'11". But I ain't buying it. All you got to do is look at Hayden out there. He plays bigger. He looks taller. I don't buy it. I don't believe that Cam Sutton is as tall as Hayden. And I also think, you know, people overstate stats in sports. I know they do in basketball. Guys are always at least an inch or two shorter than what they're reported to be in college hoops anyway. But in pro football, I'm not sure if they overstate height or not. But I will say that I have a hard time buying Cam Sutton at 5'11". I think he looks a little small at cornerback. I really do. And I think on that touchdown that he gave up, yeah, the coverage was really good. But if he was a little taller, that wouldn't have been completed. And guess what? He also was burned on two other throws that were both very big in the game. And nobody mentions that. They say he played great, but Hayden wasn't burned. Hayden wasn't burned the whole game. Joe uh, Cam Sutton was burned three times, including for a touchdown. And if you looked at who was burned, it was a lot of catch and tackle stuff. The the Steelers tackled after the catch a lot in that game. Tackled very well after the catch. They did a great job. Their safeties, Minka Fitzpatrick, Trey Edwards, uh, Trey, Trey Edwards, Trey Edmonds, Jesus, what's wrong? With me? Trey Edmonds and uh, Bush, Devin Bush. Schobert, uh, not so much. Schobert had a bad game. I was watching him very closely. He didn't do much of anything. He found a lot of blockers, put it that way. At the snap of the ball, Schobert had a way of finding a way to get himself blocked. And he wasn't even blocked hard. He did a lot of two, you know, one-handed tag on a guy after he was already down. He got there late a lot. 
He didn't seem to be really strong in heading towards the ball, and he didn't fight with the fiercity you'd expect from a good player that you saw, you saw people like Cam Hayward do and, and, and uh, T.J. Watt. They fought with a ferociousness towards the ball and made themselves a part of the play, even when they could have easily done a showbert and been kind of pushed off the ball and just sort of tagged someone late and got into the action late. Showbert seemed like he was sightseeing and in there and just kind of watching and figuring things out. There was no aggression. There was no progression from him towards the ball. I, I think it was an extremely disappointing game. Now, he didn't get burned. We'll find out this week playing a good tight end against the Raiders if they use him in coverage, and we'll see if he gets burned. So he didn't get burned in coverage, but I didn't like his play on tackling after the catch or in particular against the running game at all. Um but back to my disagreement with the media. It's their overpraise of Cam Sutton, who I think was burned quite a few times. And we got to keep our eye on this. I think that he made some really exciting plays, but I'm not quite sure he's as good a coverage cornerback as everyone's been saying. So just, just a warning. Keep your eye on Cam Sutton, number 20, for the Pittsburgh Steelers. Is he really all that as a coverage corner? Jury's still out from my perspective. And the other thing is not enough people were praising Cam Hayward, who to me had the best game on defense, better than Watt. Uh, to me, he batted down two balls. He recovered a fumble. He had a sack and just a lot of pressures. I think they ended up t- tallying five quarterback pressures for him. I'd have to look at the stats again. I think Watt had maybe eight. I'd have to look it up again. It might have been eight. It might have been more. It might have been Hayward that had the eight and Watt had the five. I think that might be it. Anyway, Bottom line is I don't I'm not a pro football focus guy, but they rated all the players on both sides of the ball after the first week of the NFL season. And guess who rated? I think it was 95%, number 1 of all players in the NFL. Cam Hayward. Yet locally after the game, there were only a couple guys praising Cam Hayward. Most of them were praising Cam Sutton and TJ Watt because they made the, the splashier plays, I guess. But to my eyes, and this is, I'm going to pat myself on the back because all the local media certainly do, and they tell the fans how dumb we are, and they talk about I was there in the stadium, like Dejan Kavorkovic is all and I was there, I was there. From my view, far, far away where I couldn't see jack shit, where you could see way more than me on your TV screen at home, here's what I, the inside I have with my binoculars far, far away with my head out my ass. Anyway, I like Dejan, I do, but... The point is the media is always into justifying their own superiority to the stupid masses. And I'm sorry, but overall, they just didn't see what I saw. And in my estimation, Cam Hayward was the player of the game on both sides of the ball for both teams. Cam Hayward was a complete stud. And he was, a, and I even tweeted about it to a, a local guy. He doesn't live in here. I think he lives in New Jersey. But he does a Steelers podcast with someone else. Brian E. Roach is his name. And I like that guy because not only when I followed him on Twitter, he followed me back. So he's a cool guy, no ego. And he's just a lifelong Steeler fan. And he does this podcast uh, for Steel City. I think they're called Steel City Media. I forget the name of the the, uh, the uh, website. But anyway, um, uh, he always says, he used to say in past years, Cam Hayward is a grown-ass man. He said, Cam Hayward is a grown-ass man, and that's his phrase. But he uses it in particular about Cam Hayward. So I just had to tweet him during the game, Cam Hayward is a grown-ass man. And he retweeted it, quoted it. and said, oh, I think I've heard someone say this before. And then the other day when I saw the scores come out from pro football focus and they had him as the highest rated player scored player of any on either side of the ball in the entire fucking NFL for this first week's games. I just tweeted him that and he retweeted that and said, Cam Hayward is a grown ass man. But what was funny was on his podcast, when he's talking to his fellow podcaster, um, he said Cam Hayward was a grown ass man and his fellow podcaster said, yeah, he was good, but I think Cam Sutton. And he went off and just poo-pooed 
Cam Hayward and moved the conversation, and they never really got back to Cam Hayward. And and then I heard uh, other people, I don't know, I don't want to start naming them, but other local media, and they just, to me, to my way, weren't liking him enough. And so when that pro football focus score came out, listing him as the best player in the game this last week, I mean, I was like, okay, thank you. I'm not crazy. Because when I was watching that game, the two Steeler players, and oh, by the way, Minka Fitzpatrick looked awesome to me in that game, and Pro Football Focus rated him as bad. So, so before you get all, I'm not, I'm not saying, oh, Pro Football Focus knows what they're talking about. I don't believe in Pro Football Focus. I don't know. I think that they're just subjective guys scoring each play, and I don't think they – nothing's objective, and they're making up ways to do it, and I don't trust them at all because back in the day, they, had, they consistently had – Julio Jones rated as the better receiver by AB than AB. And it wasn't really even close. And I'm sorry. There was no receiver better in the NFL than Antonio Brown in his days when he was with the Steelers. And guess what? Now he's still looking really damn good with Tampa Bay. And he helped them in the Super Bowl, by the way. And he had a, he had a touchdown on Sunday, with or, or, or last Thursday, rather, with Tampa Bay. So the guy can play some football. And I, and I think he'll end up having a better season on the whole than Julio Jones will with his new team, which is who? I forget. Did he go to Detroit? I forget where Julio Jones is playing now. Maybe it's maybe it's uh, <clears throat> the Chargers. Maybe it's Denver. Uh, maybe it's Indianapolis. I forget. I'll have to, I'll have to go look. But I, I, I think we should look. I, I'm going to go on record here. I'm, I'm going to say A.B. has a better all-around season than Julio Jones this year. And um, – and even if he doesn't, to me, at his height of excellence, there was not a better. Julio Jones was not better than A.B. All that was about was that Julio played for Alabama and Julio was tall. Julio, what is he, 6'3", I think. So you got a 6'3 guy who came from Alabama, you know, whereas A.B. was from what? Michigan, Eastern Michigan, I think. I think I'm, or is it Toledo? Toledo, Eastern Michigan, one of those schools. I don't even remember. So AB's from some small school and he's like 5'11 or whatever he is. You know, and Julio's like this giant guy from Alabama. So he's naturally better, even though if you looked at the stats and just watched them play, look, Julio was great. No, no, I'm taking it away. He's a great receiver and he's been a great receiver. But, you know, AB's got to get in the Hall of Fame. Every second as fast as, as Julio Jones. And in my opinion, there was not a better receiver in the NFL. So that's pro football focus. And the, the guy from pro football, Fergus, I'm not kidding. He said Julio Jones over AB. And it's, he said, and it's not even close. That's what he said. Pro football focus. This was back like three years ago in AB's prime. And it's not even close. Wow. Wow. Anyway. So don't get me started on pro football focus. The point is they had Fitzpatrick graded poorly, and anybody watching that game could see Mika's a, Mika's a stud. Minka was all over the field. Minka made play after play. Minka was really good in that game. And I'll take Minka over all those other guys they had rated ahead of him in the secondary pro football focus. Get the fuck out of here with that bullshit. But they did have Cam Hayward rated number one overall, and I was glad to see it. Because to my way of thinking, watching that football game, two things were really, really true. One, Cam Hayward was the best player on the field that day. And two, Ben Roethlisberger had a bad game. (laughs) And those are the two things that I saw differently from the local media. And I wanted to make a podcast about them just because I like my viewpoint, damn it. I believe it's valid. And I am hopeful, very hopeful, two things don't happen out of those two things. One, Cam Hayward's older now. I think he's 32. And one thing I noticed about him last year, he had a great year, and then he tailed off. Now, we lost some players, okay? We lost Devin Bush. We lost Bud Dupree last year. So maybe he tried to overdo it. But I noticeably, he complained near the end of the year, like we could all use a rest. He was one of the players very upset about the way things fell apart with the Steelers' bye week last year because Tennessee got the COVID real bad and screwed up and we basically lost our bye week. And Cam Hayward was not too happy about that. And you just saw him taking himself out more and he just tired out, man. The guy's getting old and he is, 
a beast. He jumps all around and tears people. He got a one-handed sack Sunday. He grabbed Josh Allen with his arm and wouldn't let him go, and they blew the whistle. He had him in his hand. That's it. But that's how big and scary Cam Hayward is. He's like 300 pounds and 6'4", and 6'5". Six, six, you know, I mean, he's a huge man and very strong. But he's getting older, and I, I noticed last year his play – definitely deteriorated by the end of the season. So keep an eye on that. He's hugely important. And we have to get Stefan Tuitt back, and we have to get him back healthy, and we have to get him back soon because we're going to need to rotate these guys and keep them fresh. And Cam Hayward's so important to us. We need to rest him. We need to rest him, and hopefully uh, we can get Tuitt back sooner rather than later so that we can rest him more so that he has the Cam Hayward juice we need down the stretch and in the playoffs when we're going to need him. And then the second thing is Ben. Uh, we're going to need him, obviously, to get better. And like I said, I am not guaranteeing it. I was ready for him to take the pink slip and head his way into the uh, sunset after last year. Um, I'm glad he's back. It was I was wrong. I was wrong about Tomlin, like I said, and I'm wrong about Ben. We're definitely better off to have him. But, but, but. If he continues down this path, if I don't see improvement, I really honestly don't think Mason Rudolph would do that much worse. Now, probably on Sunday he would have done worse. He would have been even more confused, and his throws would have been even more off the mark, probably because of the road, hostility, first game of the year, young offensive line. But I'm expecting more from Ben, especially with all the inexperience on the offensive side of the football. Especially with his composure and with his positive attitude and quality throws under stress. Especially the dump-offs to people like Najee. And so, we'll see. I, I would say I'm willing to bet that he's going to get a lot better and have a good year. But I just wanted to go on record and say, if Ben falls off a cliff and starts to look like shit, please come back and remember that your chancellor... Wasn't happy at all with his first game performance and was a little bit worried. And I'm kind of I'm kind of watching Ben with some trepidation now. And like I said, I would bet more than I wouldn't. I would bet more than 50 percent that that I'm wrong in worrying and that he is going to get it together. And that was just, you know, a rough first game. But I'm not saying I'm also saying at least 45 percent of me thinks maybe we're not going to be able to consider Ben, you know, as great as he used to be. Uh, maybe those last five games last year, he's not going to be that bad, but maybe that was a sign of drop-off. I don't know. I don't know. He was awesome for his first nine games last year. Ben Roethlisberger for the first nine games last year was awesome. But he also was throwing very short and not getting hit as a result. And he took some shots Sunday, and he's going to need to take some shots. And if he can't ha- handle it, and he can't hack it, and he can't throw downfield, because guess who led the NFL in quickness of throws this last week? Uh-huh. Ben Roethlisberger, again, just like he did all of last season. We don't want to see that. We don't want that to happen. We want the running game to improve, and we want Ben to have some time, and we want to throw more balls down the field this year. And if he can't get there, and if once again we're dinking and dunking, because he averaged 6.4, I think, 6.4 yards an attempt. Terrible, terrible on Sunday. If we're back to that shit every week, then you got to get Mason Rudolph in there because that guy can throw the deep ball accurately. And... Look, he got crushed on the skull in 2019 and came back and played after that. He got his helmet ripped off and bounced off his skull by the scumbag Miles Garrett, most overrated player in the history of football, who's also a liar, who said that uh, Mason called him the N-word. He came back after both of those horrific events and played quite good last year in a game at Cleveland. And um, I think he has the ability to be all right. I don't think he's the future for the Steelers, but I think he has the ability to play at least as good as Ben played Sunday on a regular basis. And I'd rather get the ball downfield more and have that kind of play 
than dink and dunk and have that kind of play. You see what I'm saying? So I'm keeping an eye on Ben. I know he's a champion. I believe in my heart he's going to turn it around and start rising above and having some really great games again. And I believe that we can win. he can win his third Super Bowl. I really do. But if he stays in this current state and continues to muddy up the uh, – you know, the question of whether or not Ben still has it. I know the Steelers won't go to Mason. I know that the fans will say I'm crazy. They already did. I made some complaints online on Twitter, and I got told by a couple of people, you're stupid, was one of the responses to one of my tweets. And yet to another completely different tweet, someone said, thanks for that offering that asinine opinion. So... <laughs> You're not allowed to say shit about Ben, man, or people just tear you apart. But I didn't just say, Ben sucks, get him out of there, fire the head coach. I didn't say dumb things like that. I don't say dumb things like that. Um, But I definitely felt that he was playing poorly, and he is, and he was, and he did. And, um, yeah, I think after what happened at the end of last year, it's something to keep an eye on. And he took some hits and he complained like crazy this week about the bumps and bruises he has. And that kind of self-pitying, same with slapping the ball down and throwing his arms up and all the shit he did in the game. I don't need a self-pitying old man who can't throw a dump off to Najee Harris as my starting quarterback with a young offense, okay? I just assume put in there another young quarterback who himself is scared and try to lead this team and have them all bond together. And develop over the course of the year into a quality offense, including the quarterback. I would like to see that every bit as much as an old-timer, Hall of Famer, struggling his ass off and blaming everyone else. Okay? So that's what I saw on Sunday. I saw Ben blaming everyone but himself, even though he sucked. Okay? So will he be better? Yes. Do I believe he will be? I'm I'm more than 50% sure he will be. But there's a healthy percentage of me that believes it's possible he won't be. Keep an eye on it. And if it were me, if we're through four or five games and I'm seeing the same Ben Roethlisberger I saw Sunday, I would make the hook and put in Mason Rudolph because we have a great defense. We have a really good running back. We have great weapons. I think as long as you have a quarterback who doesn't suck like Ben did for much of the day Sunday, you should be a pretty good team still. So anyway, those are my thoughts. Like I said, I'm still holding out hope for Ben and for the Steelers. It was a good game. Go Steelers. Going to be another tough matchup Sunday. There's not a bad team really on this schedule. There's maybe four games the Steelers you can pretty much write them in as winning. I don't think Sunday's one of them, but it's pretty close. It's pretty close. If they lose this game Sunday at home to the Raiders, that will be distressful. But I don't think it's going to be easy. But I think they should win. We'll see what happens. Looking forward to it. I'll try to leave some other podcasts that aren't just about Steelers. But for the time being, that's the number one focus in my life. I hope it is in yours, too. <laughs> I love you. Yabba da boopa.